our heart should be towards freeing people out of darkness to light. Our heart should be, no one should perish. God's heart was, no one should perish. No one should perish. No one should perish. And we have to bear the same heart of Jesus Christ that no one should perish as much as I can. God, as much as I can, with all your strength and with all the supplies you give. Lord, I want to give a hundred percent so that no one should perish. Not on my watch. Not another single person should commit suicide. There shouldn't be another person who can overdose and die. There should be, shouldn't be another person who goes to jail. There shouldn't be another person who, you know, beats up his wife or harasses his kids or, or a woman harassing her kids or whatever it is. When you see injustice, when you see plague, when you see disaster, when you see death, what do you do about it? Jesus said this. Once upon a time, there was this man, a businessman. He traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho, point A to point B. And he went on a business trip. But along his journey, something happened. Something that he never thought would happen. He thought, I'm just going to go and I'm going to do business and I'm going to come with this money and I'm going to invest here. And he had all these plans. But halfway through, he didn't even make it to the end. Halfway through, he got beat up by the robbers and all his money was gone. What he had was gone. He was beaten so badly, wounded and left to die. He is on the road. He's saying, help, help, somebody help me, help me. And there comes this priest who sees him and who says, well, I have a five o'clock service and I can't stop for you. Oh, may God help you. And he goes away. And then we have the Levite who comes and he sees us. He says, oh, I don't want to be unclean. I don't want to find myself and I'm going to go. And uh, too bad. Um, I think uh, you got yourself into trouble because you didn't carry yourself properly. It's not my problem. Anyway, thank God I'm safe. And he walked away. But then you have this person, a lay person, not even a Jewish person who is of a different race, who is of a different category and who were thought as a different breed themselves by these people who thought they were of a higher class. Now this guy is wounded. And there, this guy who's supposed to be, according to them, of a lower class and of a different breed, he's coming. He sees this man. And he genuinely cared for this man. He didn't say, well, let your own Jewish people help you. I'm going. And he didn't go. And he didn't think, well, if I come near you, maybe other Jewish people will get upset at me. I don't want to get hurt by other people. I'll go. Some of the Jewish person will help them. You know how many people say like that? Maybe somebody else will do it. It's not my problem. But this Samaritan, he said, this is my problem. If this was my son, if this was my daughter, will you or will I leave them in that condition and go? Will we do that? We're not talking about somebody wounded in Antarctica or, you know, Arctic place and where we need to take some helicopter and go there. And we're sitting like, you know, we're like the 911 people and looking to, looking at every news outlet and every newspaper and every news 
media report and saying, that, oh, there's this blast over there and this is orphan over there and this is widow over there and sitting and crying every day over every single person. No, what God is speaking today is when you come in contact with someone who's right next to you, then it becomes your problem. What do you do about it? When you see someone here right in front of you, that's your neighbor. That is who you are supposed to be caring for. Not just escaping from here and saying that, well, this is too hard. So I will go somewhere where I can do some easy job and say that I did something for God. We need to be people of character. When we see the wounded here, when we see the dying here, can we stop everything? Can we say, I'm going to stop everything? This Samaritan had something to do. Obviously, he was going from where he was to where he was going to. He had an appointment. He had a family. He had things to do. And for him, it's a loss of time, especially going and helping someone who is not of his kind. But he said, I will stop. And he said, I will do this because I can't go on ignoring this because I genuinely care. He took him. He cleansed his wound. He put him on his donkey. And he walked. You call it sacrifice. He walked so that this man can live. That's what sacrifice is. He took him all the way to the inn. He didn't say, let me bandage you and you stay here. When someone else comes, another Jewish person comes, let him take you and go. At least you won't be a mess over here with wounds all over and blood everywhere. I have given you your first aid treatment. And so someone else can do this. He was not like that. He didn't do a half job and a, or a quarter job. He did a third job. He took him, put him on his donkey, and he took him to the inn. When he brought him to the inn, there was this innkeeper. Because after doing that first aid, after doing that first aid, he knew that just the first aid is not sufficient, is not going to be sufficient because this man has to pass from death to life and he needs to get healed so that he can go home. This is what God is calling you to do. And Jesus calls him not the Samaritan. He says, it'd be like this person. He just didn't say, you see that? No, this good Samaritan was great in the sight of God. He made it a point to acknowledge his race. Jesus said, and he was a Samaritan. He acknowledged his background. He acknowledged who he was. He gave gave credit to that. He said, even though you guys were treated like you were a different breed, even though you guys were put down, You showed that you had more than what that priest had. You had more than what that Levite had. You have 
caught the attention of God Almighty. Because you have a heart, they don't. Think about that. A person who was despised by a different society, he had a heart. The others had robes and others had titles and they said, we have to make it to our appointments and we are this and that. And they were like big shots. They didn't have a heart. When you see a need in front of you, what do you do about it? Do you have a heart? We need to have God's heart. Are you so consumed with yourself that you are completely ignoring the cries of those who are around you? And you think that it's okay. And you assume that they can live until the next person comes. Do you know that they can be dead before the next person comes? Do you know that you are the hope? Do you know that you are the hope? God is speaking to our hearts today. Do you know that God has kept you as their hope there? Until you make that connection. Until you come to the place where you say, Oh my God, I need a heart. Not a hard heart, not a cold heart. But I need a heart that is alive and it's beating and it has the heartbeat of God Almighty. So when I see a wounded person there and who's crying out for help, that I won't say, it's not my problem. It's their problem. I have X, Y, and Z going on there and I can't add this to my X, Y, and Z because I have too much on my plate. Or are you willing to make that X, Y, and Z wait? That means put a pause on your needs so that someone else may not die because your needs can wait. When you think about life and death, what you are trying to do can wait. But someone's soul, someone's life is not guaranteed for another day. God is calling for people who will understand the need, who will have the compassion of God, who will just see what is going on and have the heart to do what the Samaritan did. Not be like the other people who said, well, I'm being so religious, so religious to the extent that I will always think about myself. Self-righteous fools you call. You know why? Because they cannot see the urgency of life and death that is taking place right in front of them. When we get consumed with ourselves, you know what we're doing? We're just eating our own selves. We are destroying our own selves. We are created to become useful, to be useful, to become useful, to be useful in this world. A barren tree can only take space. A barren tree is not going to bring 
anything. It's not going to produce anything. If you have a barren tree and you have a coconut tree and you want coconut or you have mango tree and you are looking for mangoes, but it's not giving you anything. What are you going to do? You're not just going to keep it there. You planted it for a purpose. Now it's time for you to dig it out so that you can put something else in its place so that you can eat the fruit of it. God is speaking to our hearts today. We are called with a purpose. Know that you have a call on your life. Every single person, you're being called by God to become something great in the eyes of God. To be something, to be someone in the eyes of God is a huge thing, big deal. We can think that we're something and somebody in our own eyes. Let me tell you, a right balance will show how much we weigh. A proper weighing scale will show how much we weigh. You know, sometimes you have these malfunctioning uh, weighing scales where you step on those weighing scales. Suddenly it'll show 10 pounds less than you are. And there are people who stand and say, hey, how did I lose 10 pounds overnight? Oh, they're so happy. And then you move it a little bit to the other side. It can show 10 pounds over. And then suddenly they feel so depressed. What is this? And then you move it to the other side and it'll bring 2.5 down. What can you do with that scale except throw it in the trash? Some people want to take it and just smash it. You know why? Because it caused such aggravation. It made them so happy you lost 10 pounds and then made them so down because you lost, you gained 10 pounds. And then you said, what is the point of this weighing scale? Just because it looks nice and just because some numbers are flashing, does it mean anything? No. It did not fulfill its purpose. It is not useful. If it's not accurate, it's in vain. Very important. The same thing goes for your watch. You have an electric, electronic watch or you even have your cell phones. And all the time it's showing the wrong time. How excited are you going to be? Unless you are somebody who just stays home and you don't care about what time it is. And you are in some world, strange world, where... And night is day and day is night. And even then, the time is not regular. Every single person needs to know the time. But if the time is wrong, what is the point? You throw that watch out. You say something is wrong with this. Every device is made to fulfill a purpose. And if that purpose is not met, that means that the accuracy is not there. What's the point? How many of you like to sit on a chair and if it has four legs, you say, that's okay. One leg is broken. I'll somehow manage and dangle with three legs and try to somehow manage, take a risk of getting your backs broken. No. If you can tighten the screws, you will do it. But if the leg itself is broken, it becomes good for nothing if it's not fixable. Every device is with a purpose, manufactured with a purpose. You can have a printer. If the printer is not working, you toss it. It's not fixable. You toss it. 
Why? Because the purpose is not met. You have it so that you can print or whatever information you need to print. If it's not working, what are you going to do? No matter how expensive it is. If it's out of warranty, you need to discard that and get a new one so that you can get your work done. Same thing goes for your bulb. You have a nice fancy bulb and a fancy fan or a fancy electrical equipment. But if the bulb is fused, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, well, it looks beautiful, so I'll just keep it and sit in the dark and admire that bulb. And every time I say, poor you, you're not functional back. I'm not going to hurt your feelings. And I'll just keep you here as long as I can, because you and me, we entered into the house at the same time and we cannot part. We say that? No. If it is not useful, you're going to say, I need to get my work done. I can do my schoolwork. I need a different bulb. You go and get that bulb and replace it. Important. We are created with a purpose. And the Bible says we are created unto good works. We cannot be the people who are consumed with ourselves and sit and destroy ourselves. Because being consumed with ourselves is not what we are made for. We are made to help others. We are made to be something in this world, to get that fulfillment by seeing someone else smile. We are made in the image of God. And what does God do every day? What does he do every day? Is he just having a a party in heaven where it's all about me? No. For God so loved the world, which is you, which is me. His whole purpose in his outlet is people, people. He made the birds and the animals for people. He made the trees for people. He made fruits for people. Everything he made, if you look at the fruits, if you look at the birds, if you look at the animals, they were all made to give pleasure to human beings. God so loved us. Whatever he made, sweet to the taste, looks nice, feels good. And it imparts strength to the body. God never said, well, as long as it gives you vitamin A, vitamin C, and as long as it gives you your E's and your D's and your B's and all the amino acids and protein, whatever you need in your body, that's all matters. Doesn't matter how it looks. Doesn't matter how it tastes. So, God created mushy, ugly looking things where you don't have to, it all goes inside your mouth, right? After all, it goes into your tummy and it has to strengthen you. Why should it look different? And why should orange look different from apple? And why should apple look different from pineapple? And why should God make this fancy thing on the pineapple's head? And why should God make oranges look so pretty? And why should God make coconut different from dates? And why should he make all these things so different? Why should they all taste so different? And why should he even put taste buds upon our tongue? Why? He cares. He cares. He just didn't say, well, I'll make you a machine and you just take that and zoop, drink, and then you just grow. No. While we need nutrition on the inside, he wants us to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to taste different things. And while he created the animals that we all love and bond with, 
on different levels. He's created them to interact with man and he created it for human beings. Why? To make human beings happy. God so loved you. He wants to see you smile. He wants to see you well. He wants to see you grow. You know what you're supposed to become? Like him. He wants you to be like him. Look at those whom God has placed in your life. The same way that God looks at you. And care for someone else the way he cares for you. And to be Jesus Christ in this world is the highest privilege. To be his hands and feet is the highest privilege. To be that which God has called you to be is the highest privilege. Now from there, we're just going to transition into the text that God has given to us today. God will connect that with this, I know. He's not a God who just goes all over the place. And at the end, what was the message about? Was it the Samaritan or was it something else? We won't be left with confusion. Let's go to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. And then we will read from verse 1 onwards. Genesis chapter 18. I'm going to give you a few minutes for you to bring Genesis 18 before you have your phones. You can just type Genesis 18 and just bring it up. If you have your iPads, you can do the same thing. If you have a physical Bible, it's all the way in the beginning. Genesis chapter 18 with this big 18 number. That's the chapter. And we're going to read from verse 1. Just take a few minutes. You can listen, but listening and reading at the same time will really get God's word into you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And that hearing really has this proper way of hearing when you read and you hear it. That's why I encourage people, even when you're reading the Bible on your own, in your private prayer time or reading time, I encourage you to read it out loud because there's something that happens when you read out loud because God's word is alive. It's alive. It just goes into you. It blesses your soul. It blesses your body. It blesses your brain. It blesses your mouth. It blesses every organ that you use when it comes to the word of God. It prospers. That's what God's word does. Whatever it touches and whatever you touch, which are part of the word, it will prosper you. So whichever portion you read, it's bound to prosper you in every way. So have Genesis 18 in front of you and we will read from verse one onwards. I'm going to read uh, as you hear it. You just read along with me. I'm going to read from the new King James version, Genesis 18 from verse one onwards. Then the Lord appeared to him by the turbanth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. Who met who? God Almighty appeared to who? Abraham. By this location, by this turbanth tree of Mamre, it's a location, it's like Port Jervis or Middletown or whatever place it is. It's that place, that geographical location, there's this tree that's there. God Almighty is meeting man, Abraham, by this tree, by the door of the tent where Abraham 
was when it was really hot. So God is visiting man during the heat of the day while it was very hot. So it was probably like the noon hot summer day. God is coming there. So he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, three men were standing by him. Who is looking at whom? Abraham is looking and he's saying, who are these three people? Three people were coming. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. God is bringing to my spirit that I have spoken on this passage before. And if you can go back and listen to this, this will be a blessing for you. God is coming to meet this man. Remember this. Anytime God comes to visit a person, it's never like this. It's never going to be, hey, I just came to say hello to you. I was just passing by. Hi, how are you? And uh, be well. I'll come next time. No. When God comes to meet with a person, it is intentional. It is for something to take place. God will never say, well, I was just passing by. And so I just thought to say hello to you. No. Man may do that. It's a nice thing when someone wants to say hello to you, but it's even a better thing when someone wants to meet with you because they want to spend time and they want to show you that they care and they love you. That's a whole different thing. Someone say, say hello to someone who really shows you that they care and they're spending the time with you intentionally. God's visitation is always intentional. And every time we come to the house of God, every time we come to a Bible study like this, and every time we come to the morning calls, God visits us intentionally. When he speaks, it's with a purpose. And the purpose is for him to show us how much he loves us and how much he wants us to move forward and to what extent he wants to bless us. God cares about you. God wants to invest in you because he loves you. He has everything. God has everything, but he wants to make you productive, see you happy. God wants to make you productive and see you prosper. God wants to make you productive and see you grow. And that's where he gets his happiness from. Because God so loves you. This is why. Someone asked me this question last Sunday as I stayed behind to talk and pray. This person said, I can't believe why would God do something like this? Send Jesus to die, you know, for us. I don't believe in this. And and this is just a story because how would he want his son to be killed, to be dead? By the way, Jesus Christ, um, I want to tell you the difference between murder and uh, execution. Murder is someone who's killed by someone for whatever reason. Uh, the person who is dying didn't expect that they were going to die. That's, that's what murder is. Violence. But Jesus Christ was not bur- murdered. Jesus Christ was executed. He was tried. He was falsely accused. And Jesus knew that he was going to die for the sins of the people. And he gave himself willingly for the sins of those who were going to execute him. Jesus also knew that he was going to raise again. He was going to be raised from the dead. He was going to rise again from the dead. 
and he was going to bring that newness of life to every single one. See, his death on the cross delivers us from curse. It delivers us from sin. It delivers us from sickness. It delivers from a whole bunch of oppression of the enemy. The resurrection of Jesus Christ breathes this new life into us. And so these two are major parts of Christianity, Christ, those who follow Jesus Christ for Christians and for Christianity as a whole. When I talk about Christianity, I'm not talking about this uh, outward religion. I'm talking about true followers of Jesus Christ and people who truly call themselves Christian and come under the true lordship of Jesus Christ, which is love himself. And so you look at Jesus. Jesus gave himself as an offering. He gave himself as a sin offering. He gave himself as the lamb that was slaughtered. He gave himself. He willingly gave himself. So there's this understanding between God the Father and God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, where God said, I love these people so much, this has to happen. And Jesus said, yes, Lord, I love them too, because the Father and the Son are one. And so there's this understanding, and because of that, the father sent the son and the son gave himself as a ransom. So it's a very painful thing. Now I shared this with you, um, I think um, two years ago. God took me through this path, this process, though it was very painful. I have this understanding that I never had to this extent before. Where Jesus Christ was crucified People, many times we read the scripture for God so loved the world that he gave a son and, and you just read it. He said, okay, God sent a son, but the pain that God the Father had, we all know how much Jesus suffered, but the suffering of God in giving his son for us can only be understood when we go through it. And when we read the scripture where Jesus Christ cried out, my father, my father, when he was not able to see the father for a moment. People can say, how can God do something like that? And a lot of people give the interpretation this way that, oh, the sins of the people were too much and and God had to turn his face away because Jesus had so much sin, other people placed on him and he couldn't see, he was so holy, he turned his face away. And because of that, Jesus felt that separation from the father momentarily. That's the interpretation many people have given. And that's the interpretation that I've heard, you know, as a child growing up. But the song that God gave me in his presence, as I've said before, when God gives a song, it's not something that I sit down and write, or it's not something from um, Bible reading or anything. It's something that God gives while I'm in the presence of God while God gives the entire song and God he's there when the songs are given there's this revelation each song is a prophetic song that's why it's so powerful and that song that comes from God carries heaven's glory and anointing that comes from God and so as a song was given I see many times um, not many times, each time when the song comes, when God gives that song, there's this busy, very busy angelic activity that takes place at that time. Heaven gets very busy, and I also see the revelation of the song. When the song is given, I see a lot of things pertaining to the song, 
that comes with the song. And so when this song came, um, I think it's called Calvary's Love, the title of the song. It's on our box app. And as um, the song was coming, I saw this where uh, there's this line uh, in the song where heaven couldn't bear to see the pain when the blood of the Holy One touched the ground. Oh, the earth screamed in disbelief. This is what is happening. I can't believe that this earth that was created by this word of God is God himself. His blood is touching this earth and this earth screamed. Can't take it. I saw heaven. The agony. The the weight that covered the entire heavens. When Jesus Christ was crucified. That moment that God couldn't see Jesus was not that, oh, he was so holy and he doesn't want to see and he just abandoned Jesus. No, he couldn't see the pain of Jesus. God gave me this revelation of what God the Father went through. The agony he went through in seeing Jesus suffer, he couldn't see. For us, for us, he's such a loving God. Such a God with such a big heart. His heart was broken to pieces for us. So we don't miss eternal life. This is who our God is. This is who our God is. God so loved you. So when this person was speaking to me on Sunday, he said, how can God do something like that? Well, I looked at this person and told her something. I said, do you know why I am staying here? Because there is this love that God has put in my heart for you, for the people here. So it's a sacrifice. I am leaving my kids. Doesn't mean that I don't love them. No, there's an understanding between me and my children. I need to go so that they have to live. And there's a sacrifice. I'm sacrificing. They are sacrificing so that someone else can live. So we need to have this understanding. We can't say, how can God do this? Yes, God did this. You wouldn't do it because you're selfish. You wouldn't do this because you don't have a burden for souls. You wouldn't do this because you have no understanding of what is beyond this. But God so loved you. So I said, this is a smaller version of what God did. What Jesus, the son of God did. So that I can live. And I can talk to you today. So that you can receive your healing. So that you can live. And I sacrifice today. So that you can live. And one day you can become like me. So that someone else can live. But if we all think about ourselves. We are not going to become useful. We'll become like these fused bulbs and broken typewriters and printers and computers. Just having this shape and having this name. You can have like a big Sony name on the computer or big Apple name on, you know, some, some device. All those are good. <laughs> but if it's not working, 
even an ordinary, a cheaper version of an electronic device would be at the time useful. Doesn't matter what brand, it doesn't matter how fancy it may look if it is not in a working condition. I would at that point go for something that is available now so that I can get my job done. Same applies to human beings. You need to be useful in the hands of God. No matter how we look and how many talents we may have and how much money we may have and how many degrees we may have and how many houses we may have means nothing to God if I'm a self-centered person. But if we can become useful, then we may have just two things in our hands, but if we can put those two things to use, let me tell you, you're maximizing what you have and you will be put to use again and again and again. God is speaking to the hearts today. You have this man, Abraham. And this Abraham was here. God is coming to meet with Abraham intentionally. There's an intentional meeting. Every time we come to the house of God, God comes intentionally. He wants to meet with you intentionally. He wants to talk to you. He wants to bless you. He wants to make you a blessing. There's this intentional purpose with which God comes every single time to meet with us. God is coming to Abraham. And now you see, very important, Abraham is positioning himself. Very wise man. He didn't say, well, it's very hot. It's a hot day. And I just want to be in my tent. I don't want to come outside. No, he was a very smart man. He was a man who gave himself for others. When you give yourself for others to be blessed, guarantee you'll be blessed in the process. You know how a car that is really useful will be really, really, really loved by the owner and be taken and they'll take good care of it. If I have a guitar and I'm using it and it's very useful, I'm not just going to use it and throw it somewhere else and I'm going to be irresponsible. I'm going to really safeguard it. I'm going to really, really treat it with care. If you are useful, then God will invest in you more. He will expand you more. He will beautify you more. He will give more into you because you're not living for yourself. Abraham was such a person. So when he saw these uh, people come, three men come, let's just read verse Two again, he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. He's greeting them. He's genuinely greeting them. Be real. There are people who just smile and who, who are there to impress people, but in their heart, they really don't have what it takes to love the next person. If you don't have, God can give that to you. Genuineness. Be genuine. When you talk to people, be real. Don't be superficial. Be real. Genuinely care for people. And when you hang out with Jesus, his love will be imparted into you where you will genuinely care for people. 
Abraham genuinely cared. He just ran and he bowed down to the ground, greeting him, that's their custom, and said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. And this is a very, very close friend of God who recognized now these three men I hear, but these are not ordinary people. He recognized that this is God here. He says, please don't go. Please don't go. That's the best thing he ever did. When it came to constraining God, saying, Lord, don't go, don't go, please don't go. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I'll bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by. Inasmuch as you have come to your servant. You have come to your servant. I want to emphasize that here. He recognized that he's not just passing by. He has come to me. The humility the understanding, the wisdom to recognize that there is a purpose to this. And I want to do everything I need to do in order to make him feel important. So he says, I'm going to get water for your feet and I'm going to get some food. And he said, please stay. They said, do as you have said. Do. As you've said. So you want to do this? Go ahead and do this. I want to pause here for a minute. God is interested in you first. And then from your heart, what do you do for him? He's so kind to receive that. He doesn't say, well, I'm God and I eat heavenly stuff. And, and what you make here is not as good as up there. And so I just came to see what you're doing. And you don't have to give me anything. I'm not going to take anything from you now. You see the humility of God. You see Abraham's humility and you see God's humility even more than that. We need to be like our heavenly father. He's so humble. He said, you want to give it? I'll receive it. And that's how it is for me. Bring our tithes and offerings to God. Even though he owns the heavens and the earth, all silver and gold belongs to him. He says, I'll wait to receive it. Because he's so happy. It's like little children, you know, when they bring um, something that, that they want to show you that they made because it's your birthday, right? They draw and they draw, they draw you. And it can look like a terrible looking drawing. It can look like your face is so big and your tummy is like so big and your ankles are like this and and your feet are like this. But when you look at that paper, would you say that? Do you say, oh my Lord, I can't believe that. She has such a bad opinion about me. And look at the way she drew me. Honey, keep it to yourself. You embarrassed me. Do we say that? Or do we look at them and say, oh my baby, what have you drawn? It's so pretty. It's so. Are you lying at that point? Are you lying? Are you looking at them saying, oh, it looks pretty. And no. 
You're not lying. It really looks beautiful to you. You know why? It came from the heart of the child and he or she did his or her best to show his love or her love towards you. And so as a parent, we're not looking for like per- perfect drawing where you really look like, you know, something like you don't even look like and you want to make yourself look like, oh, I'm this and my child thinks of me like this. And No. It's the heart of the child and the heart of the parent that connects at that moment. And you know, you save those, you know, I have those, the drawings of our children and whatever they do. We have a file, we, we treasure them, we put them. We don't say like, oh, it's just a child's drawing, just throw it in the trash. No. Because it comes from their heart. And you connect with the child where? At the level of the child, not, not the way you think as an adult, but that's what really shows the maturity, that you're not immature. If a person is immature, then they look at a two-year-old and treat them like a 20-year-old. You know, there are a lot of immature demonic people who abuse children like that, who go to little children and treat them like adults and make their life like hell. God have mercy on such people and bring them back to their senses so that these little ones be spared. But when we look at a child and what the child brings to the father, the father or the mother is so excited to see and they give that time and they appreciate that and they pour their love. The child feels so special because the child, the little child, look, took, imagine if it's so hard for you to open that box, how long that child would have taken with those little hands to take that. And to even do whatever it thought was so beautiful and so excited. You see the little cute little body with the big plumpy cheeks standing over there. And you in your hand, you have a big messy thing that others may think that what kind of thing is this? But for you, it's a treasure that you have in your hand. And you're opening and you're opening and you're opening. This is how God looks at us. When it comes from our heart. When we bring anything to God and it comes from our heart, he looks at it and he says, I love it. It comes from your heart. And he gets so happy. He lavishes his blessings upon his people. That's why he has given us the opportunity to give. Not because he doesn't have. Because he wants to see us happy. Blossom before him. And so Abraham here, he's telling God, Lord, I'm going to bring some food for you. And for God who is in heaven with streets of gold and with heavenly things there, this is nothing. But you know what? He said, do as you have said. What a good God we have. What a loving God we have. What an affectionate God we have. What a tender hearted God we have. You know why? Because he was going to bless Abraham. He said, do what you have. He's so happy. It's like a good parent. They're so happy. They know they have a surprise for the child. The child has brought this, but I have a surprise for the child. Wait till I show that to you. That's how God was. He is standing there. And Abraham says, I want to make you happy, Lord. And God is standing there. He's Thinking in his mind that, Abraham, you don't know that I want to make you happy. This is how a relationship must be when it comes to the Heavenly Father and you. Such a tight, beautiful, glorious, intimate relationship that only those who experience will know the beauty of it. Abraham saw. 
He said, I know who this is. And he says, I'm going to get something. Lord, I'm going to get something. Please wait. And God says, I will wait. Go ahead. Do what you want to do. So Abraham goes and he tells Sarah to make this. And he, with Sarah, does what he had to do. And they bring this to God. This is where it's going to get even more interesting. That which God wants to zoom in today. Now, if you already heard the word and say, well, I thought you were talking about Good Samaritan. Now you went to here. Now it's Abraham, Sarah, Pastor Kerbin. By the way, what's the time now, right now? Or 10.14 and it's too long and um, and it's getting late. And if you feel that way, you can go. But it's very important right now. Those who want to hear can stay and get the meat of what God has at this hour. He's now bringing the food that he's prepared. And he's bring that to God Almighty. He set it before them and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. He's just happily sitting and giving the food. And God didn't say, well, you brought your food. And I know I'm not used to this kind of food and I'm used to royal food. And even though you're rich, Abraham, my richness and my kingdom can be compared with you. I don't feel like eating this and it's good that you gave it to me. Thank you. And he didn't put it to the side and talk to Abraham and finish his business and go, no. His heart was to make Abraham happy. So he ate for Abraham. What a good God we have. What a loving God we have. What a loving God we have. Again, it's like, Parents, when the kids, they want to do something and they go and try and make the muffin and that muffin um, may look like a muffin and it may not taste like a muffin. And however it is, they are so happy and it may be a little gooey on the inside and they bring it and say, mommy, look what I've made for you. And you don't take and say, what is this? No, even if it's less gooey on the inside, you don't put it inside your mouth and you don't say anything negative, but you say, tastes really good, darling. Are you lying at that point? No. It tastes good for you because it came from their heart. You're not lying. Then after some time, you can teach them how to make it without being going on the inside. But at that moment, your heart is to gladden them because your heart is so glad they brought their best for you. God, who is even better than that, he says, I'm going to eat. You gave it to me. I'm going to eat so you can be happy. As they ate, Abraham is so happy. But what I brought to God was acceptable to God. And God has received it. Always remember, when God's heart is glad, whatever needs to happen will happen. I've talked on this as the Spirit of God is bringing to me. Connecting this with worship. What you offer to God, when that worship goes to him as a sweet-smelling savor, then he blesses you with whatever needs to be given. You can listen to the recording. It's probably from a long time ago. But God is bringing, so I'm mentioning that. You can listen to the recording, it'll bless you. But that's not the message today. The message is God receiving. God receiving that which you give to him out of your heart. And he's asking this question. He's accepting it, joyfully accepting it, because the motive is pure. And now he's asking this question. Where is Sarah, your wife? 
So he said, here in the tent, right there, Lord, right there. She's right there. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. I will return to you. How? Certainly return to you. According to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. He's saying, I'm going to come next time. When I come. At the appointed time, your wife, Sarah, I promised before that I was going to give a son. That promise will be fulfilled. She will have a son. Now, this word of God is spoken before God said he's going to give. But the timeline was not given. He said, I will give, I'll give. And Abraham was following and following and following. But looked like it wasn't happening. But in Abraham's mind, it was happening. He knew it was happening. But the time had not come. And the timeline was not given. But now... When God came to Abraham, he came intentionally to give this word. That means when that word is given, it's happened, taken place at that moment. So there he is giving this word to Abraham and to Sarah. Both of them, both of them standing together. Both their bodies were unfit to bear children. But something happened to both their bodies at that time. The word of God entered into Abraham's body. The word of God entered into Sarah's body. Two old people, very old people. Something happened to both of them when the word of God went out of God's mouth to Abraham and to Sarah. That's why he called called Sarah. Because the word has to go into her ears, into her soul, into her spirit. So that it can take shape and form. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, what happened? Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being also old also. She's basically saying, This has happened. Where I'm old, I'm past the age where I can bear children. Is this possible? Can I have a child? This is not possible. And she's laughing. She's laughing, saying that this is not going to be possible. This is impossible. He's saying that next year, before I can come, during the timeline, this is going to happen. And it sounds funny for her. How? This this is going to happen. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, surely, shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Why is she laughing? Because what I said was not funny. It's a fact. Why is she laughing? Because she's old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is it hard for the Lord? I'm God. Is it anything too hard? Is there anything under the sun that cannot be done or beyond the sun that cannot be done by God Almighty, who's the creator of the universe? Is anything too hard for the Lord? God is speaking at this hour. No matter what you may be going through, no matter how impossible your situation may look, 
Is there anything too hard for the Lord? The promise was given, but now she has gone through the stage in her life and in her body. Both Abraham's body was dead. Sarah's body was dead. When I say body was dead, any function or capacity to bear children was gone. They were physically alive, but the childbearing faculty was dead in their body. Their bodies were totally dead to any kind of childbearing. And it is at that time God comes and says, this is going to happen. And God looks at Abraham and he's asking, why is she laughing? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is it hard for the Lord? But Sarah denied it saying, I did not laugh for I, for she was afraid. Once she heard that and she knew God was speaking, that's it. She straightened that on the inside. She said, oh no. I am caught. He said, no, but you did laugh. What was happening in that tent? God Almighty was outside, saw that and heard that. Always know this. Whatever you think, talk, do. In your inner chamber with whoever you talk about whatever pertaining to God, his house, his servants, out of unbelief, out of spite, out of whatever it may be. God hears all of it. Every bit of it, he hears it. We can say, well, I didn't mean it and I didn't say it. And we can say all those things and jump upside down and, and do flips and do all kinds of things to deny it. But when God sees it, he sees it. When God has heard it, that means he has heard it. So be very careful. Our God sees and he hears everything. Now, God didn't say, because this was the first case ever. God didn't say, Sarah, no, because you lied and because you had no faith, you're not going to have any child. And uh, goodbye. No. God saw how impossible the situation looked. And God saw in the natural realm, it is not possible. But after God spoke to her and confronted her, very important, this is very important. I urge you to pay attention to this. Why it is so important to confront when one needs to be confronted through the spirit of God. Because that, Confrontation brought conviction and that conviction brought her to repentance. And from repentance, she moved from unbelief to faith. And this is why she is in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as a woman of faith. Someone had faith. She had faith to follow her husband. She had faith to go with him from one place to another. She was not a woman who put up a fight and resisted and screamed and said, well, you want to leave the land of the Chaldeans? You go. I will stay here. No, she followed him and she went. She had faith. And that's why God said, I will bless Sarah. But when it came to this part where it was difficult, God comes and he talks with her and he confronts her. That's what a good parent will do. When you're wrong, a good parent will confront you. A good parent will stop you. A good parent won't say, well, I know that she's embarrassed and so I'm just going to leave it there. No, 
He said, no, you lied. This is not what it is. You said you didn't laugh, but no, 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 no. You just lied. You laughed. Fear will cause a person to lie. Fear will cause a person to hide. This is where God comes and he says, let me pull that mask off. Let me pull that covering off because I want to bless you. Come on out. And he brought Sarah out. A good kind of godly confrontation will remove the mask, will remove the lie, will expose that which is hidden in order for God's blessing to come upon an individual. So when you're corrected, when you're confronted over something, especially through the spirit of God, working through the shepherds of God, humbly receive it. Don't try to overstep that. You will lose your blessing. At this point, Sarah yielded herself to God. When God confronted her, even when she denied, no, but she did laugh. That sentence sealed everything for her. At that point, she said, this is God. I believe. I believe. I believe. After that, even though her age didn't change, even though how she looked didn't change, Something changed on the inside and all of a sudden the vessel that was upside down for pregnancy, for conception became right side up where God can pour his strength into her. And all of a sudden she became an inheritor of that promise from promise given to a promise received, inherited. Sarah became a woman of faith because she received the correction of God and she turned that into something useful for her, which is, Lord, I believe. I know, if you know, if you can see me in my room over there, when I was laughing and you're able to confront me and you're able to say that, what I did, the way it is. And you said, is it too hard for the Lord? I believe at this point, nothing is too hard for you, Lord. If you can see that and you can tell me that, I have my own experience with you now. Before, I know, my husband had this. He heard God. He followed God. And I followed him. But now, now, I hear you. I have my own experience with you, God. I believe in you. I believe in you. Before, I believed in you because of what he said. And that faith carried me through. But now, I believe in you because I have had an encounter with you. And I'm going to believe you for what you promised my husband and now me. Direct word from God to Sarah. You are going to have this. What is that? The promise of God being fulfilled. God is speaking to the hearts today. As we come to a close tonight, I want you to understand the love of God. I want you to understand the power of God. I want you to understand that God is so very closely involved in your life. He sees everything. But the way he comes to even confront is because he wants to bless you. Why does God come to correct? Why is he coming to make you face yourself? To show you how bad you are? No. To show you how good he is. To turn you away from your fear. To turn you away from fear to faith. After this point onwards, Sarah had no fear. 
She had faith in God. She became a woman of faith. The Bible doesn't say at that point, all of a sudden, she became like a 22 years old woman and all of a sudden, everything returned to her body. No. So from that point to her conception, there was this stage where she had to show her faith and she showed her faith. And that's how she landed in Hebrews chapter 11. From the point, and God spoke, to the point that she got pregnant, Sarah believed in God, even though her body was dead. Even though her husband's body was dead, she believed in God and counted him faithful. Now I received the word from God. I received the word from God right here on this soil. I received the word from God next year. Before God can come back again. I'm going to be having a child. I received the word from God. He spoke to me. He spoke to me. I heard it even though I was inside. He called my husband. He said, where is she? He wanted to communicate with me. There he is. Even though I was scared and I didn't want to come outside the tent, he's talking to me from there. He wants to bless me. He wants to bless me. And she said, I believe in you, O God Almighty. Yes, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Abraham knew his Lord. Abraham believed in his God. Sarah believed in Abraham who believed in God. She knew her husband. She said, he's not just rambling something. I knew he had an encounter with God. I believe every word that he's speaking and I'm just going with him. But now Sarah had her own experience with God and she said, I believe in you, Lord. Uh, before you come next time, I will have a child. Doesn't matter how I look and how I feel and, and what's not changing as of yet. Doesn't matter. I believe that nothing is too hard for you, Lord. Shall we close eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Good Samaritan carried this man and brought him to the inn, knowing that he will live. I'm going to do everything in my power to see that this man will live. And he lived because he brought him to the right place. He brought him to the right place. God is speaking to your hearts today. Do whatever you can. Do whatever you can, whichever way you can. When you see those who are dying in front of you, don't turn the other way and pretend like you're not seeing them. Don't pretend like they're not sick when they are sick. Do something about it. Bring them to the hospital here. God so loved you. He brought you to himself. The God who came to Abraham came to Sarah. The God who came to Abraham has come to you today. Wherever you may be standing in your faith walk with God Almighty, 
matter where your level is. God says nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Sarah came to the place to say, nothing, Lord, nothing. I believe. I believe now. I believe. Beyond what I see, I'm looking past my body. I'm looking past my age. I'm looking past everything because I got a word from you. I got a word from you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you, Lord, for this night. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Lord, I know this is your word from heaven. You have spoken to your people. Lord, you're so alive. You're so real. You're so loving. and You care so deeply. In spite of all the faults and weaknesses, you still come. You come and you confront with such love. You make us face ourselves so that we can change and we can be blessed, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let no fear, let no pride rob your people of the blessings that you have for them. May each become like Abraham. May each and every single one cross over the bridge that Sarah crossed over so that they can also be in the extension of Hebrews chapter 11, having inherited the promises of God. With this blessing, I bless your people with, as your servant standing in the presence of God, before the throne of God, according to the power and authority given to me by the Almighty God. I bless your people with this blessing that you alone can bless them with that they may cross over, that they may cross over fear, from fear to faith, from unbelief to faith, from doubting to faith, from lying to faith, that they may not let anything keep them farther from crossing over to inheriting the blessings of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, with this blessing and bless your people with. And I thank you for doing this. In Jesus' most precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and bless us with his peace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father and the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit rest and remain with us all now and until we see Jesus face to face. Amen. Amen.